Welcome to Film Strips. Happy holidays, everyone. This is the podcast where every week, Dave Babbitt and Andrew Kanegeezer talk about movies. Who's the Siskel and who's the Ebert? You all decide. But they have very good discussions, and each movie must connect to the movie they discussed the previous week. I'm the friend to all children, Ross May. How about you, Dave? Hi, uh, yes, I am Dave Babbitt, and uh, for the Are you the friend to all children? I like to think so, but uh, based on the track record of our show and how the running gags involved and how many kids irritate me in the films we've watched. You can't even say it. You can't even say that you are a friend to all children. I like, like, like actual kids who are, are nice and real people. I like cinematic children are mostly very irritating. He's got to qualify. Yes. Let's just be clear about this here. But yes, I am Dave Babbitt and I am here with Ross Mayes, who hosts a little show by the name of Reitman for the Job, a podcast which takes a look at the life and career of one Ivan Reitman. And I'm going to choose to say that eventually he'll probably also do Jason Reitman at some point in time, just because we know he is desperate to see thank you for smoking. Um, but the important thing is, is what do we do each and every holiday season here, Ross? We watch Japanese movies. Well, it's not even that we do it at Christmas. What we do is all year round, and this has become Japanese movie club, that none of you, none of you out there has ever joined us. You're like, oh yeah, I love some of those movies. It's like, well, why doesn't anyone else watch this with us? But anyway, we've done a lot of great movies. We started with Zatoichi which still remains my favorite long-running series, my long series. Uh, I like it more than James Bond, frankly. I love Zatoichi a lot. We did that. We covered the big guy. We've done all the Showa Godzilla movies. Uh, last year, it was all the Ghibli movies, and there's one new one out that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. But, Dave, you and you cheated because you cheated on Gamera because this was the year of Gamera. Look, he had a new TV show come out. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be great for Gamera. And then you go ahead and watch a Godzilla minus one last night, the night before recording about Gamera. It feels it feels a little bit like cheating on it. But anyway, yes, this, this year it was Gamera. Yes. Yes. So, which, uh, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And to be fair, um, he, it's, I still will say, I overall enjoyed this experience. Yeah. But, but yeah. let's be clear here. This is not going to be, you know, the the highlight reel of the ones we've done thus far uh, for the show, uh, for this uh, tra- annual tradition that we have going on at, at this point there, because... I will agree with you, yeah, because uh, Gamera, so this is over at Dae, we're back at Dae Studios, this is great, with um, their, their big hits were Zatoichi and Gamera, and... You know, what? all the arguments that a lot of people say in bad faith about all the Godzilla movies is like, oh man, the ones in the 70s are so stupid. It's like, well, and that, and that is kind of true. You know, there's a lot of just only kitsch value in some of those Godzilla movies. There is mostly only kitsch value and ironic humor value to be had in Gamera. There, uh, not entirely. There's some good, there's some bright spots, but like three quarters of it, this was kind of like, this is fun because I'm watching with you and not because they are very good movies. Well, look, at least most of the films, you know, have a baseline quality and fun elements there. We're going to get to Netflix and what they did soon uh, before this episode's over with. And uh, I have some choice words to be said (laughs) there uh, as we get into it. But if you're familiar with Gamera, basically it's like, like 
I'm trying to think about what the best way to put it is. Well, first off, it's the turtle monster. Yeah. If Godzilla, if Godzilla is a big walking dragon dinosaur, Gamera yeah. is. They decided, well, this one's a turtle, and he can fly. To which we, oh, actually, you have <laughs> my show might not have much of a format. It might not exist even anymore. But your show has a format, <laughs> and you have a little thing. Uh, I can't even remember what it is. Right. Uh, you have a special little thing called the Rundown. Gamera is the long-running Japanese kaiju franchise which began in 1965, consisting of 12 feature films, an anime, and multiple comics. The series follows the titular monster, a giant rocket-powered turtle that is a friend to all children, as it protects the Earth from various threats. Launched initially by Daiei Film Studios, the Gamera series is arguably the most famous giant monster film franchise after Godzilla and King Kong, though Gamera has never reached the critical or commercial heights of those popular series. Coming up after film strips, Gamera's love of children meets its match when the famed giant turtle encounters Dennis the Menace. The British one, not the American. The first movies in 1965, just to back up the tiniest bit, and I don't want to spend too long a time on this, it, 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 I mean, it's super obvious that you'd think that, oh, Die Studios is like the smaller, younger, far weaker cousin of, of Toho. A little, a little um, sickly child over in the corner there that is not gonna that is not gonna survive really into the 1980s. Um, that's a bad, that's a terrible metaphor. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. it's what happened. I mean, if, I don't want to compare it to a person, but like, no, a die went away. It, it's it's owned by another company now today. But back in the day, and you'd think, oh, this is fairly obvious what happened. Godzilla was a big hit, and so Die said, let's make. A Godzilla ripoff, and we'll make it a bit cheaper, and that's um, almost entirely true. To just back up the tinier, uh, tiniest, tiniest bit from there, uh, Dai Studio President Mazaki or Maza, Mazachi, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Mazaki Nagata. Um, he saw not, well, I mean, he obviously he saw the Godzilla movies, but what he actually got inspired by was the birds from Hitchcock, and he was like. Man, a sort of a disaster movie with birds. That's really that's really exciting. And then wheels got turning in his head, and he said, "Hey, I want to do movie a movie like that, but we're gonna make it about rats." So right off the bat, there, I'm like, like, ah, yeah. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to see a movie about rats. So like, I I didn't actually get through the movie. I tried watching Willard earlier this year, and it was just so slow and kind of boring. Oh that, that man, I, Willard's awesome. I, I'll send you. I the, need to send you the Crispin I need to Glover uh, remake version. Okay, I need to try again. Well, in the original, it's um, what's her name? It's the Bride of Frankenstein plays his mom. I was like, ah, there she is. This yeah, uh, Elsa lady. Lancaster. Uh, if I'm ooh, you're good. You're good. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Um. Anyway, so but but I, I anyway, it was a bit boring to me. Is like I didn't get through it. But <laughs> yeah, can you tell? Can you tell we might get off track on this on this recording? Um, but no, the uh, Nagata he saw the birds, and that's a wonderful movie and he said hey i want to do a movie sort of like that and i'm gonna make it about rats which makes me shudder but then he says but okay this being japan and we've got kaiju movies so here's an interesting idea it starts out with like hordes of rats i'm still shivering hordes of rats bothering people but then they're mutating for whatever reason they're mutating so you switch to still regular sized rats on those little 
kaiju-sized model city sets. Yeah. And they'll be they'll be scampering up the buildings and they'll be knocking over trains and stuff like that. And then the movie ends with a big um a guy in a suit that will be the mutated Nezera, the rat monster. And that was his whole plan and they work at this for I forget half a year. They buy lots of they go around like Tokyo and with and are advertising, "We'll pay you money for rats." just awful yeah they get all these they get all these rats in their little model city and after half a year working at this they have like a few minutes of good footage to show for it because as it turns out you can't train rats yeah yeah they cannot be trained and so like you can't tell them what to do you need need for the shot so that and that's not even the thing that really closes everything down uh some of the rats escape die studios and so the neighborhood is just infested with rats and then the neighbor like you know it's apparently it's enough of a residential area around the movie studio and like there's protests like the hell with you die studios like you're infesting the city and the neighborhood with rats and the health department closed down the production and then they burned those rats yeah i mean which is all yeah. which is, oh, i'm sorry which is all doc which everyone is all documented in a kind of cute kickstarted movie it's called nezera uh, 1964 it is available on tubi uh if you watch some gamera movies it is short it's actually only like 40 minutes and it's worth watching it's just like that is the story of trying to make this rat movie and then they fail horribly and they decide okay let's make it a turtle and a giant a guy in a giant turtle costume and that's it yeah yeah well we will do less damage that way i mean there's the thing about it. i agree with you there it's like you know Doing a rat movie isn't necessarily a problem. The way they went about it is just kind of mind-boggling, though. Just yes. <laughs> to think about this was your plan for production. And it's also it amuses me to know it's like, yes, the, you know, there's a movie studio right by a residential neighborhood. Like, just imagine it's like kids walking home from school and, oh, hey, look, it's Shintaro Katsu. Hi, folks. Um, <laughs> like, just it would be. <laughs> He's stumbling home drunk. Um, yeah, well, I mean, well, oh, oh, well, yeah, there's that. But you know what? Like, I mean, that is that does. I mean, about the location of it, that does seem out of step for like the 1960s. But I mean, you know, if you think about like the Hollywood studios back in like the 30s and earlier, I guess that was more what like MGM and Warner Brothers and the others were kind of like. Like they they just had open fields around them, and then like. You know, I, I, I'm not saying, I don't know for sure residential, but, like, it was a lot more quaint back in the day, so, like, there's that. Well, you're absolutely right, and I think, if I remember correctly, Universal, at the time, at least in the 1980s, uh, their back lot was still near some residential neighborhoods as well, because if I remember correctly, okay. the uh, when they were shooting uh, Streets of Fire... Uh, it was causing a little bit of uh, noise issues uh, for the neighborhood because they were shooting a bucket load of that film at night on the sets of the back lot there. So, uh, yeah. I, I, it, that would be hilarious if a movie uh, studio was like today, like still uh, recording at night. And then the neighbors just kept on complaining like it's a house party. It's like, turn that racket down. Exactly. There. It's like, I just want you to go over to the studio and tell them to stop making their giant monster movie, you know, for the evening here. I have a meeting in the morning, please. 
Uh, I'm not sure we can shut down an entire production based on uh, one complaint here, but okay. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, point of the matter is, yes, this leads us to uh, Gamera here. And I mean, honestly, Gamera itself, yes, as sort of the replacement, probably, I mean, the creators, probably that is centralist, is Noriaki Yuasa, uh, who ended up directing the original six films. Uh, in the series here in this case, which is worth... Uh, hold on. Yeah. He directed the first and then the third to uh, seventh film. Yeah. I, I think he ended up... Uh, did he not direct all of them there? Maybe... Yeah, He I did not direct the second one. Oh, okay. He did not direct the second... Okay. For, for weird... They, they thought, like, oh, now... Because he was sort of like their pinch hitter because he had worked the, the hardest with the rats he had worked the hardest on um the special effects and all that yeah that was very good and so he was kind of like well we got no one else so he did the first movie then the second movie they're like this was a success let's try to get someone to work on the human aspect of that yeah and then after that they were like no uh noriaki usi usa uh he's perfectly good for just doing the whole thing so yeah so then he did he did um, the remaining all the rest all the rest of the Showa movies. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I apologize. Yeah, because it is Shin, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly. Shinguo uh, Tanaka who did uh, Gamera Gamera versus Baragon uh, in '66. There, the second film uh, in the series. So I stand corrected. But the point is, I mean, getting back to here, yeah, these are basically Gamera is the RC cola of. Japanese giant monster films, basically, in this case. It does, it works, it tastes good for the most part there, but it's not quite Coke or Pepsi, really, when you it's get... It's on sale now. <laughs> exactly there. And it's the thing, like, Gamera is... It's not as well-known as the Godzilla films are, but, I mean, Gamera in the uh, North America, I should say, but it is more widespread than you would think because again a lot of these films were translated into english they had distribution uh throughout western nations and they did end up being sort of regulars on television including a number of them once upon a time being episodes done on mystery science theater 3000 uh there i have not actually seen any of those episodes because they are long out of print uh at this point there were some legal oh issues. Uh, uh, well i'll tell you something about that because like because at the end, I like to say, and here's where you can see the movies. Um, to be the, the the king, the RC Cola of streamers. Yeah. Uh, to be, actually, right now I'm looking, they've got more going on with the Godzilla movies, which is interesting. But um, they have some of the Gamera movies, but a lot of them are the Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, episodes. Really? So, okay. Like, Oh yeah, so like if you if people out there wanted to watch some Gameras, the Eng the, the original English version is like just available uh, regular on on Tubi, but like almost all the others, like a lot of them the show the old ones, the Showa ones, yeah, because like what is Dae gonna care or like whoever owned Dae gonna care is like yeah okay, so I'm seeing like some of these are dated like the early 90s that that they made fun of these movies and you're not going to miss anything by watching them like that i watched the second one versus baragon problems with having mystery science theater things re-released but there are uh, a lot i see i'm seeing a lot available on tubi today Okay, excellent. Well, maybe they've worked it out there. I know it's like they're, they're, it became a long-term joke because I think the American rights were held by a person by the name of Sandy Frank, who 
licensed them out to them when he discovered what Mystery Science Theater 3000 was actually doing, despised them, and then refused to relicense it for while he was alive uh, okay. in this case, which is like... Of all the petty things you could do, I mean, really, this kept your films or these films in circulation. But at any rate, point of the matter is, yeah, much like the Godzilla film series, like as there are different eras. We had the Showa era, much like Godzilla, which runs from 65 through 1980 and is comprised of eight films in total there. And then there is the Hensai era, uh, also much like Godzilla. I think that's Heisai. Heisai, okay. There's no uh, Heisai, N in there, I think, but anyway, yeah. Oh, you're right, yeah, sorry. Uh, Heisai era, uh, which runs from 95 through 2006. Uh, although not, the last of those films is not quite connected with the rest in this case, so we'll get to that there. But, I mean, and now, uh, I believe the current era is known as the, is it Rewa? Uh, the correct Rewa, yeah. yeah. Rewa, okay. Because uh, uh, if anyone doesn't know, these are all named after the different eras of emperors, but yeah. Yeah, and in this particular instance, yeah, that comprises the Netflix series, which we'll get to. Um, but unlike the Godzilla series, the... I think the big thing we're going to have to address is, you know, we're not going to go film by film on this one. Yeah. Because it really isn't worth it for most of these here, is particularly during the Showa era. Um, but like the the big thing is is that basically, whereas Godzilla took a little bit of time to sort of decline and sort of get into its lower budget, uh, mm. super kid friendly phase, Gamera almost kind of starts just above that, and then almost goes crashing down, and then eventually you know, quite literally crashes and burns in 1980 when we get to uh, the final film of the Showa era, uh, Gamera Super Monster in this case. Yeah. But we should probably back up and at least discuss the first one, uh, that of all of them, in a little bit of depth here. Uh, yeah. I, I um, re-watched, after having watched it in, like, January, I rewatched it again, and there's some funny things, because... So Godzilla, and we were talking about last year, or not last year, two years ago, how um, there's a lot of interesting themes going on, how, you know, obviously it's a nuclear bomb, it's a dragon, it's also this uh, um, malevolent uh, ocean spirit that seems to have manifested. And, like, you don't entirely know what his deal is. Gamera has all that, has a lot of that stuff going on too, but it's like there's no thought put into it because it begins in the Arctic, which is how uh, I think the reason it's starting in the Arctic is because that's where um, the beast from 20,000 fathoms starts. And also like the sec- Godzilla raids again starts there. But like, so <laughs> there's airplane, there's jet airplanes. And if you thought the Godzilla movies were cheap, you can, uh, you can see the strings on all the airplanes in this one. It's very cute. And they start shooting at each other. And one of the planes, they're like, Oh, there's Americans. I guess the other ones are Soviets. And then one of the planes goes down, and there's a little dinky, you know, like a, a studio explosion. It's like, oh, that thing blew up. That's a good little explosion. And then they suddenly say, man, that was a nuclear explosion. <laughs> yeah, which, and that's the thing. Like, it really clearly is cashing in on the themes of Godzilla to a point there. Like, this, let's be clear. This will actually have nothing to say about the you know, nuclear uh, armaments at no, all. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it is there because I suppose maybe a nuclear bombs are more impressive than st- 
traditional bombs, maybe? I don't know. But, like, also, it's obviously because because there was discussion of nuclear talk in Godzilla, they just threw it in here, but, like, kind of thoughtlessly, and it doesn't really come up again. Also, the fact that the, that the Soviets and Americans were shooting at each other doesn't come up again in the movie. And that also, yeah. it, all it does is it wakes up Gamera, <laughs> who was a turtle sleeping in ice, and then they say, maybe that thing was from Atlantis. Yes, it, and this that. is well. But that's the thing about it. it's like the the thing about Gamera that really does distinguish it from Godzilla is that like it like the thing about Godzilla always is that even if it is a giant dinosaur, it is one that has been impacted and mutated by nuclear radiation. That yes. is explicitly within the text. Gamera is so much more clearly aligned with fantasy uh, in terms of the origin when we bother to get an origin uh, that makes any rational sense in these films. Yeah. And it's not consistent from era to era. We, we should point out here uh, in this case, like there are certain trends, but it's a much more malleable uh, interpretation of what Gamera is in each case. But the, the thing that really distinguishes Gamera and the thing that makes the original not necessarily good, but fascinating to me yeah. in this case is that whereas the Godzilla films, like you watch the original Godzilla and it's an adult drama that just so happens to have a giant monster in it in this case. Like even if you take Godzilla out of it, it's basically a love triangle and questions of you know dealing with, well, what is the moral and ethical thing to do if you have created something on the level of nuclear power uh, in this case and you realize, oh, we could destroy ourselves with it. You know, that's what it is. Yes. Gamera the giant monster is about the relationship between this giant turtle and a small boy who seems incapable of understanding that the giant monster is killing and destroying things and insists it's good. And the thing is, we're supposed to believe the boy, even though clearly nothing we see on screen, course, screen corresponds to what the uh, the child is claiming is in this case. I, and it is yeah. fascinating to me because I don't think the point with the idea was supposed to be that this child is unhinged. But this child is kind of unhinged when you're watching yes. this movie. Um, it's... Yeah, so there's um, the story of the people who are in the Arctic, and then they track Gamera and try to tell the world about this monster. And then meanwhile, oh, when the action moves to, moves to Japan, there's a little boy who is told, you can't keep that pet turtle. So he very sadly gives it a, uh, uh, returns it to the waters. And then encounters Gamera. Now you say that like there's no sign Gamera is good. Gamera at one point does catch the kid and like doesn't seem concerned with eating him, so it just kind of sets it down. So uh, you know what like not in terms of shooting or even the special effects even though I made fun of the little airplanes where you can see all the all the the wires that they're hanging from. Um Gamera to me is more just weird in the script phase. Because it has this, yeah, this main subplot with the child who loves turtles and then he loves Gamera. And like, you know, it's it's prescient in a way that someone over at Daya was like, you know, kids love kaiju. So we're going to have a kid here who loves our monster. But like, there's no real reason for that and like apart from Gamera catches the kid at one point from falling off a lighthouse which again is also that is from the beast from 20,000 fathoms um 
and from its original story, that that lighthouse story, whatever. So they had an interesting idea with like, hey, there's this kid who loves turtles and loves this kaiju. And like, there's nothing really, I will say like, it, it basically isn't resolved, basically, because like, he just gets to follow towards the end. And when the problem is solved, he's like, I'll see you again someday, Gamera. Like, I, I still love you. It was like, well, I don't really know what this is saying other than kids love kaiju movies, but okay. But the, I think this is the thing. It's like, yeah, Gamera does save the child, but within the context, he saves the child from the destruction that he himself is causing by going on a rampage, attacking all these things. And that's the thing where it's like, Gamera is the threat, but to this one small specific kid in this original movie, it would be like if you had the big sequence where Godzilla goes on a rampage in the original uh, Gojira, in this case, and then we woke up the next morning, we see the devastation, people are, you know, climbing out of broken buildings, they're being carried on stretchers, and then some small child's like, oh, don't blame Godzilla, he's our friend! It's like, well, hold on a second, I mean... The giant monster just did all this, okay? Let's be clear here yeah. in this case. There are there is a you know, a body count on this monster at this point. And like it, and again, this kid just keeps coming up and getting involved throughout the story to a ridiculous thing. The thing I will say about it though is that it they quickly pivot with the sequels. Uh, well, here action. we 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 yeah. got to we got to say the ending for this one because okay, like also yes. the other the, the adult humans do not matter. The, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> it's like is there a romance or anything? I'm like no, nah. it's like oh Gamera's over in Japan now. Probably the funniest and most famous scene is um, th there are some cool elements to Gamera, including that it can breathe fire, and I love this. It's it's more impressive than they what they ever did at the time with the Godzilla suits because. Um, they put a flamethrower yes. into the suit, which must have been dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it shoots out fire, like real fires. Like, man, like they just animated the Godzilla breath. Like, this is pretty cool. But then also uh, you learn later when it starts fires, it also it eats. It's a monster that eats fire, so which is they just reverse the footage, which is yeah. fine. It's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Okay, this is, this is a monster that eats fire. That's a fun concept, which will stick around literally for years and then um, in the 90s they'll make it a metaphor as like what if God what if uh, I want to say Godzilla is Gamera 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 absorbs heat and like absorbs all this light and energy it's like nah, it's not the same thing as like literally devouring fire but okay yeah so it's it's run it's it's still been a thing but the the army they're like what if we shoot it a bit and like all turtles get it on its back? And I think that's near, I think it might be near Mount Fuji. They knock it down and it falls on its back and it's flailing like any little turtle. And then what's, I love it. The scene is every, every human present, and because the little boy's not present, every human present starts laughing at him. This thing that has killed thousands of people, <laughs> like, ah, this dumb turtle. It's on its back. It can't move. Ah, ha, ha, ha. We win. Humans rock. Yes. And then... <laughs> the best and most amazing thing happens because Gamera retracts its head and all its limbs and then fire starts and then it starts spinning and then yep. it turns like, oh, wait, this is a flying saucer. This is like, and I think, and, and more than just Gamera can fly, the gag or idea in that first movie is, no, no, like when you see a flying saucer sometimes, it's it, it might be a flying turtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like, there is no, like, again, with Godzilla, 
the atomic breath is probably the most ridiculous thing, but at least there's like a cultural tradition and at least a rationale for explaining where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. Gamera is just this weird, you know, collection of parts that has just been brought yeah. together. Where it's like rocket power turtle. Why? I don't know. I read Astro Boy on the weekend and it seemed like a good idea there, folks. Um, you know. Well, I think they start, I mean, and, and it's such a, it's such a thing like, um, that is like one of the main things known about Gamera today. It's it's the turtle kaiju that can fly, and that is such a known quantity now. But uh, I think that really begins with that scene. They came up with that scene first, knocking it down on its on its back, and uh, ha ha ha! The hubris of man. We're all laughing at this this uh, monster. But then it was like, hey, you know what would be really surprising? If it could start spinning and flying, that that would blow your minds, right? Like I think it was all based around that one scene. Oh, most likely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like nothing about this film was really feels like they had a thought out script. It was like, no, we got set pieces. We've got ideas. Let's just throw them in a blender and hope that something sticks in this case. And with credit to them, something did ultimately stick in this in this case there. But basically, yeah, the film ultimately climaxes with, uh, you know, plan Z. Yes. Yeah. The Z I'll plan. Say- I'll say Zed, we're Canadian. Yeah, the, yeah, so in other movies, it was like, oh, man, we got the oxygen destroyer, or maybe we can destroy it with nuclear weapons itself. That that always seems to work. But this yeah. was like Plan Zed. It's top secret. They've got to use fire to uh, lure it to a specific spot, and a typhoon or whatever puts out the fire. And But then a volcano starts up. That was handy. It's like, okay, we'll get, the, get Gamera to this spot. There's this big spot right in the middle where we need it. And I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was spoiled to me, but like, I knew, I, I figured out like, I know what plans that is going to be. They get it on this one spot. It's not immobilized either. It's, it's just hanging out. And then suddenly stuff starts to retract and all that is like, oh, it's going to go into the head of a rocket. They, they yeah. had to get it onto, um, this spot where a rocket will close up on it. And now we will launch Gamera into space. <laughs> it's yeah. great. It's a fun well, ending. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, yep, we temporarily got rid of the problem, folks. I think we were, our job is done. It's Mars issue now. Um, which, okay, that's the end of it. But again, the thing, like, the original stands on its own, much like the original Gojira does, in the fact that, yes, it is the clear sort of oddity in the series. Because once you get to the second film in 66, which comes out, yeah, one year later, uh, Gamera versus yeah. Baragon, in this case, the series really takes its final form almost instantly, where they just sort of pivot to the idea that, yes, Gamera legitimately is a friend to children, and well, he's always going to fight a monster. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, Baragon, the movie, it's it's got one interesting... Um, step back though because that is the movie they did away with children that um yeah that was interesting so like but you are absolutely right like um watch everyone how does gamera get out of this pickle this week um when they fired the rocket off it just an asteroid or something hit it it was like and it turns out gamera can also survive the vacuum of space (laughs) (laughs) it flies back down to earth despite the fact that you would think that like wait a second fire requires oxygen so like it's 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 uh, propulsion shouldn't work speaking of which um this is kind of a famous i don't know if you've ever um 
heard or read this, but Roger Ebert did see some of the Gamera films, and for some reason he wrote a little thing saying, like, the physics of Gamera is like, well, it propels itself with fire, which involves gas, so yes, what I'm telling everyone is that Gamera is (laughs) fart-powered. I did not know this. Roger Ebert did, did say this. That is exactly in keeping with what Roger Ebert would do in a situation like this. I 100%, yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, so, Gamera farts its way back to Earth. And there's the opening scene where um, it attacks a dam and it does its old thing of of uh, eating fire and people are running away scared and all this. There's that. But then, yeah, that is like at the start of the second movie. That is the last of it causing really... Um, devastation because then pivot to uh i will say out of the showa movies um barogon is my favorite not really uh, uh for two for two reasons one is that what i was i guess i needed from a kaiju movie was just a real um uh, mean sob of a villain and a thief in the movie because yeah. it's a jewel heist there's these guys that say like hey in i think it's papa new guinea or someplace there's this cave with the, with this treasure. If we go over there, we can all we'll all be rich. We'll we'll split the proceeds of selling the treasure. It's this ruby or something. So I forget. Like four guys go on a ship and they go and they go explore the forest. First off, the natives are like, "Hey, don't go in that ca- in the, our forest and don't go in that cave because like there's curses and stuff." But of course, they go in and they steal the treasure. But it's great. Like most of the guys are not that bad. They they might be thieves, but like. You know, they're not really trying to kill anyone or anything. Except for one guy. This is the best guy because he's such a jerk. And so then, like, uh, he lets one guy get stung by some uh, venomous uh, creature. He's like, oh, that was bad luck for him. And then he sets off dynamite and blows up the other guy to die in there. Who He escapes, I think. Um, so, like, he's trying to kill off all, everyone else so he can get all the, the treasure to himself. Well, it turns out the treasure isn't a treasure. It's the egg of Barugan, this this little, uh, well, starts off as a little lizard monster, and then it grows big, and I love its power set, because um, it's it's a quadruped, it has spikes on its back, sort of, I think, or frills on its back, like, a, like an iguana, but it's got a long tongue, like a frog, or Yoshi, it's got a long tongue, it can breathe... It's got ice breath. It can it freezes Gamera later in the movie. Like Gamera's like, I know how this works. I got to fight this thing. Like freezes him to like near death. And then the best thing you think like, well, this is kind of a weird power set. It's it's a lizard with ice powers. That's unusual. It can shoot a rainbow out of its back and turn people into skeletons, which well, I love. Well, and this is the thing here. Like, I don't love it quite as much because I think the film's kind of a mess in the sense like Gamera really Oh, it is still a mess. It's just my favorite. Yeah, Yeah. but this does bring me, I think, to probably the most interesting aspect of the Gamera films. And the thing that is probably the most bizarre about them, which is that as the series goes on, it gets more and more child-friendly for the Mm. most part, except with one big exception, and that is... Yes, the monster-on-monster violence compared particularly to the Godzilla films. Like, somebody just said, we are going to go for broke in terms of our monster-on-monster battles because 
people get messed up in in these movies uh, here. And again, you know, Baragon is maybe not the worst example. Although, yes, the getting turned into skeletons by a rainbow is pretty gnarly. <laughs> but, but we get into things like my personal second favorite of the uh, of the Showa era after the original is Gamera versus Jiger from 1970. And this is a film where at one point Gamera just straight up shoots a monster right in the head. There is also, you know, versus Vera or uh, uh, another one where Gamera is getting stabbed straight in the chest, in the heart repeatedly uh, over and over again. And they've got buckets of green blood pouring out of this turtle costume on this thing. It is like just astonishing how hard they go in these movies because you look at it and for the most part, they are kind of dopey or goofy. And then lo and behold, it suddenly just gets a really, really gnarly uh, from that point forward. For the monsters. And like, as you say, there's buckets of blood later on. Um, sometimes someone might lose a limb <laughs> there. there, There's that um, uh, people get crunched by the monsters, like including in, in, uh, Including in Barragon. Barragon eats that jerk, which is the funniest thing. But, like, yeah, the monsters eat people, and, like, they get stepped on and messed up. Like, yeah, it's it's humans, too. Humans get devoured in these movies. Well, exactly. That's the thing which is just fascinating, where it's like there's competing impulses, uh, particularly in this original run of films, where it's like they could not make up their minds. Like, are they kids' films? Yes. And it's like, uh, I'm bored really want to see some people die in some really horrific ways, or I want to see some monsters really mess each other up. Uh, And we'll go, and they just go for broke doing that. And it's such a weird, and again, it might just be a cultural thing. And I'm willing to say that because you take, certainly take a look at, you know, sort of monster films in America uh, that were produced at the same time. They're not going for broke like that uh, at all in terms of the violence or gore that you're seeing in those kinds of giant monster movies. Like Beast of uh, of uh, 20,000 Fathoms, or was it, sorry, 50,000 Fathoms. No, 20,000, uh, yeah. It was 20,000, yeah. These, like, yeah, there's some monsters destroying buildings and things like that, but it's not really interested in, you know... Here is your monster getting decapitated or, you know, losing a limb or we're seeing a bucket of blood just getting poured around everything. And Tangy is now jumping up on top of my books. So, folks, if you start hearing some books falling in the next little bit here, uh, that may be why. Uh, But, yeah, it is uh, definitely... Uh, just a very different impulse uh, towards the monster battles here. And, again... I love it and that thing. And what Mm -hmm. I do love is that it is something that sort of carries through the rest of the series as it goes onwards, no matter how uh, radical it it changes. It's like, no, the the gore has to maintain its presence in these Gamera films. It Uh, does, yes. But, But yeah, I mean, once we hit this point, though, most of these films are really... They become then they lot... become the same. Um, yeah. yeah. The the next movie I'm not gonna dwell on, but it's versus Gauss. Yeah. Um, Gauss is um, it's mostly it, it it's really supposed to be like a vampire bat. By the way, have you ever seen the movie Rodan? Yeah. Uh, the, not the original Rodan. I've only seen the crossover films of Godzilla. I, I will tell you something, Gauss. Like I think maybe overrated. Gauss becomes it's funny because Gauss bec- is is a flying winged creature. 
it eats blood. Oh yeah, that's right. Because this one, it's not just like it doesn't want to eat people. Like it wants their blood, and that yeah. stays true throughout. Um, uh, it's it's back in the remakes and everything. Gauss becomes like Gamera's arch rival. It is the Ghidorah of this series. Yeah. Even though it's more comparable to uh, Rodan, I'll tell you. Like and and they saw the Rodan movie, which is what is in this mountain? What's buried deep in this mountain? And then it's like, oh man, it's a giant pterodactyl monster. And here it's like. Man, what's what's inside the um this cave here? What's devour what's devouring this one guy? Like it's a giant, not a pterodactyl so much as an alien-looking uh, uh bat thing that 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 shoots lasers and can slice into Gamera. That's that's good. But yeah, it yep. wants to it wants to drink blood. Gauss is yeah, so it is the main arch rival. I will also say, you know what? Better than the Rodan movie. The Rodan movie pretty slow and boring. This one, and I like his design better because like. It's it's not Rodan always kind of looks dumb to me because it's kind of like this that dumb little head it has. This one is like, what if its head was a giant like V, sort of like an armored boomerang, and it shot those lasers? Is like, yeah, okay, this is kind of cool. Well, you're absolutely right. I think it's the thing. It's got yeah, it's got a very angular look to it that adds a level of menace to it. And yeah, when you see him use his beam and basically start causing Gamera's head to start gushing blood, <laughs> yes, it's just it's like. Man, just hardcore. And again, yeah, I mean, the fact that it eats blood, it's like, again, most of the plotting of this film is looked like a children's film. There are children involved, and yet it's like, and it's all about a creature that will feast on, you know, the warm, you know, juices inside of human beings. Like, it's such <laughs> a weird, messed up thing. However, I will say, if there's one thing in this series that I absolutely delight in, even though it's not the best movie it's got to be Gamera versus Virus in this case, because it's probably the second worst Gamera film overall in this case. Yes. However, it's got two things that I absolutely distinguish it for me. One, mini-sub. And I love the mini-sub in this case. I'm glad you like it, because it'll come back. Oh, yes. But more importantly, here's the thing. Much like the Godzilla series... Aliens eventually end up involved in this thing. That happens. What we get out of Virus, if nothing else, is probably one of my favorite spaceship designs, the B-ship. This weird, rotating, like, three bumblebees had just sort of, you know, were in a circle and just rotating out through space. I love the design of this thing. It's a it great, is different. Yeah, it's a great visual. And that's the thing. It's like, the plots of these movies don't really matter, but... When you start looking at like things like from the technical perspective in terms of production design or some of the special effects work and what's going on there, they actually like there's a lot of charm to be had with them, provided you're not watching these one uh, once or twice uh, once or twice a month in immediate succession with one another, which was probably our mistake. When we yeah. Did it this, well, this the, 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 also the problem with the Virus movie is that um, it's funny because we're into movie number four, yeah, and then the aliens the the, in, the aliens capture these two kids in a mini sub. Yeah, and and then there's another movie with a mini sub, and then there's a movie with a bathosphere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I counted. It's so stupid. But they're always in mini subs and things. But um, 
So the kids, yeah, they took a mini sub as a joyride, and then aliens abducted them for no reason. And then they're saying, let's watch clips of the previous Gamera movies. So, like, I clogged, it's like an it's like an hour and ten minutes, and, like, 40 minutes of the movie is um, scenes from the previous three movies. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is, which, as bad as that is, I will say this, though. It's not the worst offender in that regard. No, it's not! Yeah, because... Which is hilarious... Yeah, because all because here's the thing. Basically, as a move that will shock nobody, the budgets basically get reduced with each film. Uh, as these films, well, they must have gone up from this one because this one over like half the movie is a clip show. I said that earned us money. I guess we can do the next movie without clips. Well, and that's okay. So yes, but they clearly it was never a case where they got the yeah. yeah they never got the A budget of like the best Godzilla films. Uh, there in this case. However, the thing is, Daiei Studios, as we discussed back when we did the Zatoichi things, financially, it was not always the strongest studio uh, there, and it got really bad by the late 1970s in this case. And effectively, the studio got really desperate because ultimately there is this huge gap uh, because the uh, Gamera versus Ziggurat comes out in 1971, and that looks like it's the last Gamera film for a while. Just ex- really quickly, you're you're rushing to the end, but yeah, that's yeah. very good. Um, Giron is another one. It's funny because like effectively, it's the same plot where they kidnap, where aliens abduct kids for like no reason. Yeah, and the, I think that's the one where it's it's too. They decide on, hey, what if the aliens were just pretty ladies in jumpsuits, and yeah. then the ladies say like. We eat ch- children's brains. <laughs> they yeah. eat children's brains. And then the monster, but like you never know what the deal is. And like then that monster and that one, that's the knife monster. Yeah. Giron, because it's supposed to be Gilon, it's supposed to be guillotine. Yeah. That's what it is. But it also, it can shoot out throwing stars kind of out of its nose. That is also the movie where, um, if you've ever seen the little clip of Gamera, a little turtle doing like somersaults over what looks like a pencil. That's yeah. that's that movie. It also it's not very good. The kids instead of a submarine, they take a, ride, a joyride in a tiny spaceship for no reason. Yeah, Jiger, you've talked about. That's the one with another submarine. Yeah, <laughs> Zigra. Uh, oh no! Well, that's the thing. So they get towards the last two of the seventies movies, Jiger and Zigra, and like they need a hook. So like in one, it's um. They're hosting the World's Fair, so like they they made a deal with the World's Fair, and they're like, yeah, you can advertise the World's Fair, and the World's Fair will have posters for this movie and all that, and like, hey, that's that's a good for them. Um, the only stipulation was uh, the World's Fair buildings cannot be destroyed, so the monsters very politely take the fight off site. Yeah, that's very nice of them. And then they do the same sort of thing again with Zigra. Zigra is an aquatic monster. It's again, it's it's a weird looking. Um, sharky thing, but like it's just all angular. I kind of like it's 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 weird, but it's funny when they switch from like a puppet to a guy in a suit. Is like you clearly have different dimensions, but it's aliens again, and they're running around like it's marine. I th- I think it's even called marine land. It's not uh, it's not Ontario's marine land, which everyone loves. Everyone loves marine land. Uh, it, it is it is you know Japan's marine land where they're probably not treating killer whales and dolphins all that nice. But the kids are, they, they spend like 10 minutes just running around this place to show it to you and to eat up the time. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I had to talk about the dub summer. And they've got a bathysphere. i got to talk about that. 
Well, and the thing I will also give that film is it's probably in terms of how it presents the kids. It's the most authentic to how children actually behave compared yeah. to some of the other ones there. Like, it's a small distinction. Like, I'm not sitting, sitting here saying, and suddenly it became, you know, like a realistic somber drama about these children and the trauma that comes from witnessing giant monster battles. But they just it's, run around and do their own thing. And like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, of course they would. Exactly. That's the thing. So, I mean, that works uh, in that film's favor there. But yeah, the big problem is after we get to 1971 uh, with Ziggurat and it comes to an end, Dai is in such a bad situation that they decide that they need to really do something to make some quick money in this case. So in 1980, they make Gamera Super Monster, uh-huh. directed by Noriaki Yusa, Yuasa. And let me be clear, this is hands down the worst film in the series. And for very blatant reasons, as bad as the clip show may have been in uh, Gamera vs. Virus. They had sets. They, yeah, they had sets and money and an effects team. This film is so clearly being made on the cheap, like filming in a children's park. And it's pretty clear when you're watching it that I'm any new effects work. And let me be clear. When I say new, I mean basically the you know stuff being done on consumer grade uh, equipment. They basically like they shot it on film then transferred it to VHS, did the effects work on videotape, and then transferred it back to film, and it looks exactly as bad as this. This thing is less... I mean, if you've ever watched the Super Sentai series uh, from around the same time, they way outdo this film uh, from episode to episode compared to the embarrassment uh, that is this movie. Like, it is just abysmal how cheap it is. And it somehow involves possible superheroes that are aliens hiding on earth. In this case, like it's like, it is just a mess and it is just a clip show when it comes right down. Oh yeah. They use the clips from all the previous, all the previous movies for that one. Um, yeah, in discussing its production, it is funny because, okay, the reason it is that cheap, this is kind of funny. When is a movie studio, not a movie studio? Which sounds like this weird riddle, but like that's what Dae became because they went bankrupt. They sold and um, um, demol- they, the, the, the the location that used to be rat infested is yeah. gone. They they bulldozed that place. So like Dae became a holding company of like we've got Gamera and a few other things. I don't I don't think they even had Zatoichi because uh, Shintaro Katsu, Katsu yeah. actually got he purchased that for his own company himself. But they own Gamera and like. They don't have a movie studio anymore or an effects team or anything or like directors on payroll. But like someone, yeah, in 7980 said, well, we have Gamera. We can try making some money off of it. So it's a case where they don't have a movie studio, a working movie studio. What they have are like they someone buys or rents a video camera. And yeah. then they hire some actors. One is a woman's wrestler. She's, I mean, she's, um, quite tall for a Japanese lady. She's like five foot nine. <laughs> so like, so her deal is being, I'm, I'm very tall. Um, so yeah, Gamera super monster, but you're absolutely right. It's so funny because they have to go back to this children's park like four or five times. And then the, the ladies do their complicated sailor moon style or, or super sentai style hand gestures. Like this is 30 seconds for us to transform to our superhero outfits, which, 
which is just us out of our civilian clothes. And we're just in, in a pretty basic superhero outfit. And then there's a point where the aliens, the bad aliens, they say like fire uh, from space. And so the, the women they're in, they're still in this children's park and they just do like Captain Kirk style battle rolls around. Yeah. And then like you add in the lasers after the fact, pew, pew. And the, and the spaceship is obviously a kit bashed, Star uh, Star Destroyer from the Star Wars movies. Yes. It's on the poster. They have a Star Destroyer on the poster that's like 10% change. It's very funny. It is, yeah. And it is like, it's so clearly cashing in on Star Wars as well. And looking at, like, and probably Superman as well. It's like, well, if we bash those in and set it up with Gamera, we'll all be set there. But again, you look like there are f- flying human uh, sequences involving flying cars and that. And it is like, like the old George Reeve Super Reeve Superman show, the flying effects were better in that yes. in this case, and that show had no money to pull that off. Like this is just like like nothing about this film is worthwhile. Nothing about it is worth watching, unless you're just looking at it ironically. And I admit, I, the, that one apartment that they were borrowing from somebody's friend for the weekend to shoot yeah. as many scenes as possible. It it looks like it was a nice apartment. I, I agree, grant them that. Um, the, whoever the boy the boy in this movie, um, he writes a, so. Also, Gamera used to have a theme song, a march. Yes, and then in this one, and it never comes back. Like this one, like the boy goes, "I have a new song," and then he, I swear, he spends like two minutes singing his new Gamera song on like you know an organ, an electric yeah. organ. <laughs> That'll take up some time, and he's just so cheerful about it. It's like. Okay, a polite round of applause. Thank you. You're very nice on the electric organ. Well, exactly. And you know what? It, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if the film was like a merciful 60 minutes in length. This thing runs 92 in this eh. case. Like, it has no reason to be this long. Well, you got to make use of all those old clips of the of Gamera fights because and it, honestly like yeah that is what it is it's it's a bad the voice of a bad alien who's on the star destroyer frankly says we will make Gamera fight all his old foes no indication of, like did they bring them back to life did the previous movies happen i don't know so then it's just all the same fights basically in sequence and then at the very end Gamera says uh, and, and and meanwhile there's also one evil lady alien against the other and like they just she just runs after them and stuff right and yeah. she knows that they have a little boy who's their friend and in the end oh yeah she turns good and probably dies and then Gamera's like I've had enough of this and flies out into space and sacrifices itself uh destroying the star destroyer yeah and that's it that that's end. yeah that's the end of the Showa era of Gamera films in this case and honestly it's a terrible end and pr- Again, I would oh, not play the, the, the dig. I forgot about the dig. There is a part where Gamera is stomping around and they include one new uh, like 10 seconds of footage because there's a plaque. It's 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 weird because it's not like a poster. It's like one of those old. Um, uh, what do you call them? A sand- it's like a sandwich board, but like not held by anyone. It's just propped up. And it says it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Or like it's called Zilla God, or you know, right? Like it's it's something stupid like that. It says Godzilla or something, and then Gamera like walking by knocks it over, and then the music goes wah wah. That like the, there because because at the time there was no 
Godzilla movies for, you know, like four or five years or whatever it was. So, yeah. like, look it! We beat you, Godzilla! This one year we have a Gamera movie and you don't. Well, and this brings us to the Hes- uh, Hesai, uh era. I probably once again mispronounced The that. 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it starts in the, the, the 80s. Well, this is the thing. Godzilla does make a comeback in 1984 uh, with, uh, yeah. uh, I think it's the return of Godzilla is what it's refer- called in Japan there. Uh, also yeah. known as Godzilla 1985 when it reached North America in its heavily re-edited form. With Raymond Burr. Exactly. And and I've that got a du- beard now. And a Dr. Pepper machine in the middle of the Pentagon. Um, But yes, it's, like I said, the thing about the Godzilla films is they, during the 80s and into the 90s, like, it makes a pretty significant comeback uh, in in this case. And and Godzilla, you know, Toho is putting some actual money into it. There's an effort to sort of... Oh, they look good. Even even if, like, you don't always like the stories that they're doing, it's like... Man, they're they're kind of at the top of their game for set designs and like explosions and and making it look cool. Yeah. Well, exactly. And there's a legitimate effort that doesn't always pay off in this case to try and keep the uh there's a continuity going and there's an effort to try and build to something with the ultimate payoff being Godzilla versus Destroya, which uh is the one where Godzilla famously dies. Uh, at the end of it there uh, in this case and it's sort of like it uh, comes full circle to the original Gojira from uh, 54 or 53 in this instance there and oh, 54 yeah 54 yeah uh, the, but the thing about it ultimately is that while that's the case this seems to be the insp- inspiration for more or less idea of, well can we bring Gamera back and make it worthwhile and Tangy leave my stuff alone there please what is going on here? Um, but ultimately, yes, uh, this leads us to, I think, probably what is going to be, I think, the safely is the high point of this, which is... Earlier uh, sh- this... I'm sorry. Earlier this year, you said they looked at the Gamera and they said, hey, what if we made good movies this time? <laughs> well, exactly. And that's the thing, because whatever else you can say, uh, Shizuki uh, Kaneko uh, is the director on this one. Now, he's probably famous... Uh, he directed the two live-action Death Note films that first adapted the manga to the screen. He's been a long-running uh, filmmaker and screenwriter, but he directs the this what ultimately becomes this Gamera trilogy. Uh, in this case, Gamera, The Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2, Attack of Legion, and then Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris. Uh, here, and let me be clear when I say... If there's something that made Gamera look like it, it was... Uh, that you know, took the uh, the promise of Gamera and made it into something, it's these three films yeah. in this case there. Because ultimately the idea is them pretty much figuring out, it's like, well, let's make some sense of this and let's put some real money and effort into making something worthwhile in this case. And again, I think this, this trilogy really, really succeeds uh, overall uh, in that respect. Because again... Going back to the idea of well, what is Gamera in this case, because the original mythology is basically nonsense. I mean, let's just call it, it it's nonsense. It doesn't really make a lick of sense, this one. This one takes maybe some of the underlying concepts, the idea that, yes, there may have been an ancient civilization, an Atlantis-like figure, and Gamera legitimately is like a creation of the society as a protector uh, mm, Yeah. In, in this case there. And there is... Yeah, this effort to, you know, there's logic there. And even the idea of the relationship with children 
is made much more coherent in terms of why does that matter in this case there. And that's really what sort of makes the big difference. They're also much, much darker films compared to the original, uh, very child-friendly movies of the original People uh, getting devoured again, but like now, now they scream when they die. Um, speaking of children, in the same way that you can almost miss her because she's such a non-entity, but there's there is one uh, young woman who is the central character. I'm using almost air quotes character in all those '90s Godzilla movies. She's yeah. mildly psychic, and yeah. so I don't. I, I, I don't think I, I'm sorry. By the fa- by virtue of the fact that I've forgotten the character's name and the actress's name, she does a fine job. But like, they never really have her grow or change or really do a lot in those movies. Similarly, here they've decided like, oh, there's going to be an actress who's going to have a special connection with uh, Gamera, and it's Ayako Fujitani, who yeah. everyone here will say like, who's that? And I would say that too, except that there's one in, there's one in, extra interesting thing about her. Uh, this is Steven Seagal's daughter, that uh, his eldest daughter, um, who does not go by Seagal for uh, pointedly, uh, his first wife was Japanese. Um, I don't think they've <laughs> I don't think they've spoken in a lot of years. I don't see a lot of pictures of the two of them together. But anyway, and she does a very good job of of uh, in these movies as being the woman first a uh, you know teenager and then young woman who's like I've got a connection to Gamera and I want, come on, Gamera, f- save us and fight those monsters. Well, exactly. And yeah, her character's name is Asagi uh, uh, throughout these ones here. And much like the 90s Gamera films are a huge improvement over the ones from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, she is a much better actor than her father could ever hope to be uh, in this case. I think there. you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And th- but that's the thing. Like, there is sort of like... Like, they do try to invest the human drama in these films much more, uh, in a much more meaningful way, and that these characters actually exist in some sense of reality, uh, there. And ultimately, yes, she, the reason Gamera is, you know, sort of protective of children is that he has this sort of spiritual bond, uh, with Asagi throughout these things because she ends up getting a hold of like this little pendant that they find. The pendant, uh, by the way, a li- just a little bit. Um, oh, do 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 do. Oh, geez, what are they? What are they called? But it's associated with the moon. Um, Japanese Jomon pendant. Uh, Magatama. Yeah. And uh, they call it as such, and which looks like um, like a little hook or part of. Sometimes they look like part of a um, half of the yin yang symbol. Yes. And Magatamas, they are some of the oldest relics found in Japan. So they are associating like the el- the oldest society on earth that somehow created Gamera with the original people of Japan. Also, if you know like um Japanese legends like uh the three treasures, one of the imperial treasures was uh Magatama was one of these things. Also, if you play Pokemon or um, Legend of Zelda games, they show up in there. There's there's connections there, like the Moon Pearl in uh, Link to the Past. I always was like, ah, that's they're they're referencing this thing. But but anyway, um, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So so they're they're making this connection between Japanese prehistory with oh maybe it's from the island of Mu or Atlantis or someplace. Well, absolutely there. And it sort of starts developing this idea that basically uh, 
what ends up happening is like effectively over the course of the, this series of films, we're going to discover that it seems like Gamera and these other giant monsters, including a returning Gaius uh, in this first film here, are sort of the result of like basically an ancient civilization that basically created things that ultimately destroyed itself and sort of tying in this idea of, again, you know, humanity's capacity to destroy itself uh, yeah. through its innovations and that. And it becomes a much more sustained theme in this instance there. And the first one's pretty good. I would say Attack of Legion is maybe the weakest of the three. Yes. Uh, in this case, it's gotten less focus. However, the gold standard for the series for me is got to be Gamera 3, The Revenge of Iris here, which basically goes apocalyptic uh, in terms mm. of the, the approach there. And by the time you get like it ends on a note that I have not like definitely the Godzilla films never approached uh, in this case here in this uh, when it comes down to it, which is this idea of. Ultimately, we're ending on an end-of-the-world scenario, and it's not clear that anything's going to be saved by the end of this movie here. Like, it ends on a very ambiguous note about the, on that level there. And again, it takes this idea of, like, just going for broke in terms of just the sheer aggression of, like, the monster battles and the damage it does. Like... Gamera gets messed up in this movie. Let's be clear here, uh, including he loses his arm. Yeah, and not only does he lose his arm, he blows his own arm off to oh, escape yeah, yeah. being pinned to this thing, and it does not heal by the end of this movie. Here, like it is very, you know, like brutal and bleak in this thing. And it was kind of fascinating where I was sitting here thinking, it's like, did they plan to do a fourth film and it just never got made? No, this this was a deliberately planned ending uh, for this series to sort of end on this, like, yeah, we, we may be screwed in, in this case and we may all be dying, but we're going down swinging. Um, it's also it's also kids and hum humanity deciding, like, after they do the thing where, like, should we shoot Gamera? Should we shoot the other monsters? Like, obviously, like, you've you've done this a lot now. Obviously, shoot the other monster first and then see what Gamera does. You know, but there, there, yeah. there's that. But, um, so there's a lot of that. And a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I think you're making it a bit more um, um, negative than I think that they intend because it is definitely... We got like we we the humans help save and this this comes up later as well like the humans help save Gamera as like listen if there's one monster that we gotta trust it's Gamera here so like we might die but like we gotta put our trust in Gamera too and then da, 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 like music revving up as like Gamera's gonna fight some new monster well it's it's more Gauss that's the thing that like Gauss was in fine Gauss was the the bat monster was the one that came back in. Uh, the first nineties movie. And now it's like, there's just a lot of them. Like, Oh man, I want to talk a bit before the ending. I want to talk a bit about like other reasons this movie is cool because it is very good uh, throughout the whole old series. And starting on this new one, it was, yeah, Gamera is the monster who was going to fight for especially children, but like, you know, and, and by ver thanks to that humanity in general, Gamera is the monster who's going to fight for humanity is going to fight for children. Well, we flash back to uh, 1995 with the first uh, Gamera uh, reboot movie, and um, it was fighting Gauss, and crushed 
uh, crushed a building and crushed this girl her yes. her mom her mom and dad and i think her pet dog too like like not you got to do that too like not just mom and dad the dog died as well yeah. so or maybe it was a cat oh that might makes more sense it was a cat because she names her monster after a cat which is that thing so growing up um she's a teenager now and every it's so thin though like i i um i i will say my negative on this movie is i really don't like a lot of the teenager actors i think like we hate you because you're kind of weird. Like uh, it's, it's it's very annoying and thin and all that. But anyway, but uh, she's the weirdo be- for other reasons. Among other reasons, she is the one kid at school who hates Gamera, which is kind of interesting because like a boy tells her like, "Why do you hate Gamera? He's like saved humanity." And she says, "Yeah, w- like what good does that do me if he crushed if Gamera crushed my mom and dad?" It's like oh. Wasn't trying to like, yeah, I don't care. He crushed yeah. my mom and dad. That that sucks. So what do you do about a child who hates Gamera's guts? Yes. And then she finds the thing that she calls Iris. It is this weird alien-like monster. And when it's fully grown, um, it is a lot like an angel from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes. And it comes by this honestly because the person, the special effects person in charge of these three ninety movies yep. was Shinji Higuchi. And he, before this and and after, he has worked on the Ava projects. So he's designed the angels, the monsters, and those, which are basically like, what if we took kaiju and made them abstract things like pyramids and angels and, I don't know, like butterflies with tentacles and stuff like So like Shinji Higuchi is a great choice because like he was already working in animation on on basically kaiju and like here is like okay i'll do the special effects on these it's like hey this is this is totally it is an eva angel a monster in this movie but yes but like the thanks to another boys like listen you gotta get over your hatred for gamera let's we we gotta put some trust in gamera okay that's the end of the movie and yeah it's it's it, it looks cool it's it's Got some of the, the the most interesting ideas in a Gamera movie. I just don't like the teenage actors very much at all. But it's it's a good movie. It's a good plot. And it's to me, I, it's fair on the acting. I to me, it's one of those cases where it's serviceable enough for what the film is aiming to do. It's not like no, we this is not uh, going to be uh, the kind of teenage acting that wins everybody over there. But I mean, compared to others. It, it's it's fine there, but the point is the main. The, I'm sorry, the main mopey girl is I Maeda. Yeah, I Maeda. Um, almost like before, right before or after this, she is the star of Battle Royale Two. Yeah, a famously a terrible movie that's like made by the people who made Battle Royale. But like I watched both of them this year. It's like even though you're the same people, like, did you watch the first movie? Because like, it looks like you don't understand what the first movie was about. And well, she is, she is yeah. really terrible in that movie too. So with I don't have a to, high opinion. Yeah. With fairness to the first movie, you know, the, the director died halfway through making the second one and his son finished up. So let's be clear. It's, it may not be that director's fault in this case. I think, you know, I don't want to say it's a Goro Miyazaki situation, well, I don't, but it might I don't be a Goro yeah, Miyazaki. Be, I don't know. Well, well, the director on the first Battle Royale, he co-wrote the sequel. But yes. it, they, they make it about war, but like it is very like uh, it, it it it's it's very poorly acted and to me it's like 
it really comes off like, man, do you guys even understand what the first movie is about? Which is ridiculous because it's the same people, including, yes, the son stepping in for his father. But and yeah. that, that's another subject. Yeah. Yeah. Well, point is, you know, in terms of the Gamera series, like, yeah, the 90s, I think, is the high point. But it wasn't the last time Gamera would end up on screen either, because after 99, which is when Revenge of Iris comes out. There is one more film uh, to be released in theaters, and that is Gamera the Brave in 2006, uh, in this case here, uh, which really, if Revenge of Iris goes really dark in terms of its tone and style and its themes, Gamera the Brave really reverses course uh, in this case. Hey, everyone, have you seen E.T.? Because let me tell you, the people who made Gamera the Brave have yep. seen E.T. <laughs> yeah, that is basically what it is in this case there. And the thing is, is like there's a very clear effort to make it much more kid-friendly. Like even the design of Gamera at this point, like they give him this much more expressive, very human, childlike eyes to his yeah. design in this case. Uh, compared to what we'd seen in the preceding versions there. the It's much more brightly lit. Like, most of the monster action takes place during the day in very... I will tell you, you say it's it's kid-friendly, and it is. It continues the weird dichotomy of, of like... The gore. Man, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, it's like, man, kids are good. Like, the end, the ending uh, is literally kids saving. G- uh, Gamera's, uh, there is a new monster, Zetus, which I like because it's not... Um, I mean, it's mostly not CGI. It's a guy yeah. in a suit, and Zetus is this weird thing with this floppy head. I kind of yeah. love it. But Zetus also, um, there is a scene where the kids are running away from it, and like it eats like a dozen adults, and yeah. like a bunch of kids see these grown ups scream like ah, and like they get devoured by this monster in front of these kids. Like that is wild. And then for the end of the movie is. Gamera and Zetus fight and Gamera wins and then like then for the nice thing the kids all join together and they save Gamera is like humans you don't get Gamera Gamera is our buddy and it'll fly off and yeah um there's also much like um Godzilla Final Wars that movie like if you ever if, if anyone's ever seen Godzilla Final Wars it could totally be the return of the old Showa movies because almost all the old monsters are back there's return of a lot of old elements from the mo- from the previous Showa movies. Similarly, this is uh, interesting enough, this movie opens in 1973, like two years after the last Showa Ga- G- uh, Gamera movie. Yeah. And it's always against Ga- Gauss. Yeah. It, it, it's, he's fighting Gauss again. It's like, oh, enough, enough of the bat thing. I'm tired of this. But Gamera dies fighting Gauss and saving humanity. And then fast forward to the 2000s, they say... Yeah, kaijus don't exist anymore, so now humanity is going to be complacent. We are shutting down every kaiju watch program Japan has, which is very hilarious. It's like, listen, you did used to have kaiju. Don't you what you don't shut down your kaiju programs, Japan, well, because we don't have them. But the point being, it is pretty explicit, like Listen, this is the same. All the old Showa, not the '90s, not the '90s movies happened, and also not Super Monster. Apparently, not the 1980 movie, but all the uh, '60s and '70s movies did happen. And here's Gamera's child that is going to save us again. 
I would just like to know, in defense of this movie, in terms of them shutting down uh, a government agency because it quote-unquote no longer needs to exist, that is probably the most spot-on accurate thing for how governments do actually I operate. I guess, yeah. Uh, see the, how the Americans underfunded their pandemic response teams because, oh, who's going to need this uh, uh, going forward there? Um, but yeah, it is... Yeah, no, it, it's a fine enough film. Like, it is... Like, it's oh, nothing... Wait. But they do, but they do the thing on top of gore, and yeah. the kids are like, "Yeah, we're all friends. Like, we're hiding our, we're hiding Gamera while it's tiny." Yeah. But then there's the sick kid. It's like, um, what's yeah. that movie? What's that Ghibli movie we watched? The the bar uh, area. Yeah. Where yeah, they decided, like, hey, listen, everyone, this move, this story is pretty good. You know what it's missing? A child with a terminal illness. And Gamera said the same thing. Hey, like, what if we had a girl? who might not live into her teens. Yeah, well, and it's the thing. And I like look, it's it handles these things and these themes and ideas in a rather clunky way. Like it's not a well-written film in that sense. But I I give them credit for at least, you know, it's like we're going to make a kid-friendly film that at least tries to address these things. It doesn't succeed, but you know what? It's better than the alternative of being totally vapid. Uh, yes. in this instance. So I give him credit for that. And again, I, I, I agree. The effects work in this movie is pretty damn good. I like the creature battles and designs. There's even a neat, uh, battle on a bridge, uh, but yeah. there that I, I, I really like the way that was staged, uh, in this particular instance, because it is rather novel compared to, because the one problem with some of the monster battles, particularly during the Showa era ones is, they're all taking place for the most part in major cities and can have that very samey feel uh, to them after a while. Whereas, okay, at least, you know, some thought and effort went, went into how do we make these ones distinct from others there? And kudos to them on that one, which is great because, you know, this was how the uh, Gamera films came to an end and nothing ever happened after this, ever. There was no further Gamera projects of any sort that anybody would need to watch and sit through. Certainly not six hours of it. Isn't that right, Ross? That's absolutely true. Everyone, um, it was funny because we started, we decided like last December, we're going to watch the Gamera movies this year. And then like, I don't know, it was like February, Netflix announced... Hey, we're gonna do an uh, a cartoon series, and like, and, and you and I are thinking like, wow, well, good or bad, and it was bad, good or yeah. bad. Um, uh, th- that's interesting that we picked the one year where like Gamera's coming back. That's that's fortuitous in a way, I suppose. Yeah, and it comes back Gamera Rebirth, and you just finished watching it like less than a week ago, and yes, it's pretty bad. It's it's funny because I saw some uh, Gamera fans online, and they're like, man, this show is great. It's great to have Gamera back, and I'm thinking like, y- you people are all very nice, but man, you are starved for content because, man, this is this is a six-hour, it's, it's, it's not a fun time. This is the, look, Gamera fans, I think, are kind of like Highlander fans. You just keep getting punched in the face at a certain point. You just kind of accept at a certain point that when it doesn't quite connect as hard, that you just start to go, oh, that was pretty good. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, this, like, there are so many problems with it because it's so, like, it once again, it puts kids front and center in the narrative. And the thing about it is, is that 
you know, when we look at something like Gamera the Brave, like the, the, the writing's not great, but the kids are charming enough and they're likable yeah. enough in this thing. And I enjoy some of the, the, the kids in the 60s films in the latter parts where they're, they are the unhinged kid of the original or, you know, we've got our, you know, the scouts who are just going to, you know, pull pranks and steal a mini sub. It's like, you know, this is ridiculous, but I it's the good, right kind of ridiculous. Yeah. The kids in this series are insufferable. I... Like, it is so clearly playing into the tropes of, like, if you've seen things like Stand By Me, as you've noted previously, is kind of like the direct influence on this one. But imagine Stand By Me if it sucked, um, yeah. in this case. If you... anyone does out there doesn't know, yeah, like, I, I was talking to Dave about this, and this is something that I learned in recent years, too, that Stand By Me uh, was a major hit in Japan, which is kind of interesting. But so kids going out, having an adventure... It gets referenced in things, including video game time again. The original Pokemon game, Red and Blue, has a joke about standby because because it's a it's a kid going out and like I'm gonna go through the bushes and fight Pokemon. But he looks you, your little character can look at the TV and stand by me as playing, which is obviously like oh right because you're having an adventure like that. Um, yeah, that that this is kind of similar. Something oh one one element we I, uh, we overlooked in the old movies is that when you get to like Gauss and on uh, the third movie and on die maybe kind of uh, too big for their britches, but they were always thinking, well, we can get these movies to play in North America. And, and you, you know what? They, they succeeded sometimes. Um, they always had, the children were always a Japanese boy and uh, like an American boy, an expat living in Japan. So they, they would always, they, they were never actors. They would always pick on like, where's some white family that's living, you know, obviously the the father is going to be, I mean, real life father is either going to be some diplomat or maybe like live, a, be a, a soldier or something. And that's what they always did. They got, they got like these soldier sons. So like, here's this little blonde haired boy. And then, so it was in the movies. It was funny. It was always this white kid and this Japanese kid teaming up like, Hey, good. Like, you know, the, the, the one kid, uh, well, uh, they always had good, uh, Japanese skills. So like, but the reason was very apparent, like we want to sell this in America too. um, get to Gamera rebirth. And the bully is very American, yes. which is, the first episode is the best one just because um, they make the point that the, the American is the bully, which goes away very fast. But also, man, Americans really suck, right? Like, you know, their army sucks. They can't do anything. Their people are bullies. Like, this guy is a real jerk. There's that. But then I real I was like, man, why is this jerk here? And then I thought about, like, oh, wait, he's American because he's a stand-in for those American boys in the old movies. Oh, okay. And then then comes an episode with a submarine. I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> They're back in a submarine. At least they put that kind of thought into it. Yes. Unfortunately, the, the characters are mega boring, including the children. The face, like, they are blank. Yeah. Um, alien-looking anime. Like, I mean, you know, you can sort of make fun sometimes of anime faces in general. Like, this is to the extreme. They are all blank-faced CGI characters. The monsters look way better. Like, uh, uh, Gamera is a pretty good design, and, like, I don't know, the fights are good enough. But, like, but those humans, everything the humans do, and, like, just the way them walking around is, like... Man, that does that is not good animation either. Well, it, it's the for anybody who wants to know, it's like that. It's that digital puppet style. So if you've yeah. seen things like uh, probably recently in terms of North American productions, there was 
uh, that Super Sons movie that DC and Warner Brothers put out. I saw the ads for that and I was like, you really want to be showing this off? Because that that doesn't look ready for uh, disc (laughs) or or streaming. Well, this is the thing. Like, that's the the, the level of what the puppetry is in this film or in this, this series here. But, I mean, they make several choices that are just baffling. Number one is the length of the episodes, which is 40-plus minutes in this case. And it's like, look, I, you're not actually, like, an animated film can be any length it wants to be if it's compelling and interesting. The problem is, is that your characters are not compelling or interesting. And this conspiracy subplot, which involves eventually the revelation that there's like in a, an organization that is embedded within governments and that that is hoping to sort of decimate the population of Earth and so on and so forth. In this case, through the kaiju, it and then there's internal politics. We eventually learn late in the game as well. It's a it's sound. You say stuff like that, you think, oh well, maybe it sounds interesting. It's not. Like it is every stock. Trope. The villain's plan makes no sense. Like no, it is mega evil. Is like we will use giant monsters to like kill most of humanity, and like I get it. It's another. It's another uh, story of the rich in the world like using up and wasting everyone else. Like yeah. like you know ninety nine percent of humanity. But like their plan is evil. Their plan doesn't benefit them in any way, like it, which is very funny and odd. And also, uh, ev- every plan doesn't make sense because, like, if the monsters eat this one special child, something happens. We rule the world. Wink. Is like, well, why? Like, I, I get it. Like, the, the one kid is special. Well, why does killing it? What does that change? They never explain that. Yeah. Well, and we, also, in, instead yeah. of, uh, like, are there going to be aliens? Like. Technically, we're not aliens. We're just, we just, the rich of the world just live on the moon like aliens. Get it? It's an update of the old alien thing. Wink. Well, and it's the thing where they do try and tie it back to like ancient civilizations and that there was, uh, you know, the things got out of control and Gamera was basically there to stop it originally. So all that stuff is carried through, but it is. Like, it is so belabored to get to this point. And the episodes are all structured the same in the sense that we spend most of the time with our really irritating group of kids who are overly, overly precocious or we're all best buddies. And, you know, this was this amazing summer together. Yes. Are you a friend to all children? You don't sound it. Well, it sounds this... like you kind of have a problem with children. Dave, uh, do you want to talk about it? No, <laughs> God sakes. <laughs> but I mean, the big thing is this here, like, and there are just bizarre choices. Well, it's made. boring and it sucks and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, it does. But I mean, then they do things like at one point, like they hint at possibly a romantic attraction between two. And again, this is the other thing. There's every, all the major characters in this film are, are in the series are male figures and the women figures that appear up are either really, you know, terrible parents or the one lady scientist who ultimately, of course, turns out to be completely evil because clearly somebody's working out uh, some issues. Uh, there's that. It, there's also like, there's dumb hints to the old series. The, the one we are spoiling it, but like no one listening to us is going to like, cause we hate it. No one listening to us is going to go out and watch this. 
the woman who you th- it is a surprise the woman who is allied with the kids you think she's good turns out she's ready to sacrifice them to the monsters because oh right in the old movies the women aliens were evil and they were ready to eat children's brains well, that's why too well it is but it just it's such a weirdly consistent theme throughout this yeah. thing where it's like like there are like it just seems like this was a male made series and somebody like had an ax to grind. So it ends up being this weirdly sexist, if not outright misogynistic text at certain points where it's like, okay, this is problematic. There is a moment where they hint at, like I said, one of the American boy having a crush on the one child, uh, one of the other boys in this thing, which is like, Oh, are they going to develop this into, you know, try and do some sort of progressive storytelling and develop this into something meaningful? No, it goes away right after that one hint there. It's developed into nothing. Well, the uh, other child is revealed because the child has a unis uh, as a, a genderless name. Um, he assumed it was a boy, but like it's a it's a girl, and yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. it kiss it keeps going along these lines, and then we get to the the closing moments the post credit scene because apparently they think they're getting a season two Netflix do us a favor do not green light season two of this show but yeah suddenly um, yeah it is also the, the this show is also set like I think they specifically say like 1989 it's set in the past and there's no reason for that other than there's a joke that one guy ends up becoming um a tech startup guy that he is, and he's dressed like uh, who? Apple, Mr. Yeah, Apple, Steve man. Jobs. I want to do the Homer Simpson joke. Yeah. Like, is that guy from Apple? Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I know he yeah. He literally, and they make it explicit at the end when suddenly it's like you know, and I pivoted into making cell phones. Uh, <laughs> into the, this case there, that's my career. Having not aged a day, it looks like, despite the fact that like 30 plus years is... Uh, I don't think that's it. I think the gag is supposed to be that, that he's this world's Steve Jobs because all the, it's not alien technology, but all like the monster and advanced moon technology, like he has access to it now and like... He has invented better cell phones because of it. I think that's what it's... But it's like, it's such a bad... It's like, it's a dumb joke. And again, there's no... Re- like, the mo- the whole show could have been set today. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then ultimately it ends with the cliffhanger that... Spoiler, one of the kids makes a big sacrifice in this case. And you think he's dead. And I was ready to give credit to the show. It's like, oh... Oh, you know what? There are actually. Oh wait, consequences. Dave, were you applauding a child dying? I was applauding. No, no, I was applauding the bravery to sit there and say that you know what? Sometimes bad things occasionally happen to children. You're not all safe in these things, and this can happen in reality. Nope. Uh, apparently, instead, they may have actually given them inadvertently a worse fate. But this is also where the they're counting on season two to happen, where apparently he's just like trapped in some sort of nebulous state and is communicating from like a nether realm, um, or maybe space, and is talking on their dumb radios. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? It's like yeah, he'll be like, stuck there forever, Dave. I'm what? sure you'll be very happy to hear that poor child will be stuck in nothingness forever. All I'm saying Are you is, happy now? All I'm saying is I don't care enough to see whether this gets resolved. Um make of that what you will, folks, uh in this case. But but yeah, I mean that's the thing where it's like it, 
it's just, it really is, it's a nothing of a show. It's a nothing of a show that goes on way too long and builds to nothing. And every episode is ultimately structured where it builds to Gamera must battle another monster that you saw in the old films in this case. That's the other thing. It's like And they got rid yeah, the, there's no new monsters and they got rid of the best one, Barugan. Yeah. They need monsters with uh death rainbows and Yoshi tongues and ice breath. Well, and th- this is the thing. It's like at the I mean, whatever else you can say about Gamera the Brave. They at least gave us a new monster at this yeah. point. Like why not? Like, just like, I get it. You know, some of the old ones were fun, but you had a perfect opportunity to really do something new. And my, that's my thing is like, if they get a season two, you kind of went through all the greatest hits of there, unless Baragon is going to become like the main focus of the follow-up se- season. Like, what else are you going to do with it here? Like, you would have to create some new monsters. And I don't know if they have it in them to do anything terribly interesting, uh, at least based on this production here. Um, I don't think it'll hurt you again, Dave. I think we can move on. Yes, it is time for... When are you going to ever fill out that patent? But you've got a patent pending bumper segment, Hits and Pits. Dave, what is your first hit for the whole Gamera series? Gore! Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I honest, is it child gore, Dave? No, is that no. what you like to see? It's like you know, just like the sheer brutality of the monster on monster action in, in these films in the series is something I just like again because you sit there and you look at the Godzilla films of the same period, and they rarely ever went as hard as these. There ones were did. two. Uh, I mean, maybe in the nineties or. Uh... And 2000s as well, but back in the Showa era, I mean, apart from it being skeletonized in the original movie, there's two movies where I think Godzilla's arm gets, like, cut a little bit. It's like, ow, and then has a bit of green blood, yeah. Yeah, it's very rare, and instead it's like, well, no, if they're going to be going at it, you know, they're going to screw each other up pretty badly. And again, like, I, I do love the way in which they just lean into that over and over again, and it's like, yeah, Gamera, like, I mean, if nothing else, Gamera almost comes off as more of a badass than Godzilla in a certain way, whereas it's like, you know, did we ever see Godzilla ever turn around and say, I'm willing to blow my own arm off just to get out of this situation and then mess you up even further? No, no, we have not uh, in this case. I guess that's mild spoilers for Godzilla Minus One, for those who haven't seen it there. He does not blow his own arm off uh, in this case there, so uh, make of that what you will. But I think it it does at least give these films their own flavor. It gives it Mm, its own distinct identity compared to other giant monster and kaiju films out there. Because, you know, even, you know, in this day and age, like you get things like the Pacific Rim movies and other giant monster films. And very rarely do they go to that end. So uh, kudos for that. What about you, Ross? What would you give it to in this case? I like it that in the old movies, Gamera eats fire, which is a fun idea. Uh, and I really like those special effects because, like, man, they put a they put a flamethrower into that suit. That's pretty dangerous, and it it looks fun. It's something that something that the Toho did not pull off back in the day. So I like that effect. Well, exactly, and actually, to build off, of that, I will say one other thing I do like when you get to the uh, the '90s films and going forward. Uh, because they obviously weren't going to put a flamethrower in a suit there, I think safety regulations had caught up with them by that point in time. Unfor- uh, fortunately or unfortunately, you yeah, decide, yeah. folks, here. Um, you know, they don't want a John Landis incident. They uh, 
basically... This is fire. This is not a helicopter, Dave. I wouldn't put it past Landis. Um, point, yeah, right. <laughs> point of the matter is, the one thing I do like is that rather than just give him, like, his own version of the atomic breath where it's like a straight stream, they actually decide instead it's like Gamera's going to start firing, fire, like, fireballs out yeah. to make it its own visually distinct approach compared to what Godzilla was doing in this case, which, nice choice uh, for something like that. Um... Having said that, I think I have to give my second hit to Shizuki uh, Kaneko uh, here, the director of the 90s trilogy, because mm. if there's a hero in the series, he's the one who sat there and said, let's really do something with this. Like, let's make it worthwhile in this case. And I'm not going to sit there and claim he's like one of the all-time great directors necessarily here, but like he clearly came in with a vision of and a plan to... I want to make something out of this. I want to make it more than the sum of its parts. And I think on the whole, he succeeds in doing that with that 90s trilogy there in making it into something more coherent and engaging and where, yeah, you care about, you know, more of uh, most of the humans in this case, you care about the situations and yeah, it's, you know, it keeps the stuff you like about the sixties films and drops some of the more, you know, just baffling choices that those movies could absolutely make uh, in mm. this case there. What about you, Ross? What would be your second hit? Uh, he's a very good director. Just to highlight someone else, uh, the original director, Noriaki Yuasa, um, who he is a good counterpoint to Toho's Ishiro Honda, a respected enough director who could do a lot of different things and then got, well, you're our science fiction expert. And he's like, Okay, I'm doing science fiction movies the rest of my life. Like, okay. And and he had a lot of respect and a lot of thoughts on Godzilla, but, you know, he wanted to do other things. Um, Yuasa, you don't know if he had a lot of great talent for something else because he only basically, um, he did a musical <laughs> uh, somewhere in there, but like that was it, which did not do well. And then everything else he did, it was nothing but Gamera, and then some like Super Sentai or Common Rider or something. So like, so he was nothing but like, yeah, I can do these special effects um, uh, monster movies and shows and like, and that is all his career was. So like, I don't know if he was capable of more. And he just, he seems like a guy who was just happy to be in the movie industry at all. So like, good, good for him. You know, he he is one of the parents of Gamera, and he he made something out of this given the budget so like he did a good job and and i think he had a lot of fun just like i get to make some movies they all star gamera but like okay he's like and he was happy enough doing that and you're right like i mean he is definitely a work for hire director like there's no like again i don't get the sense that he was necessarily interested even in story really in making probably not so and that's the thing it's like you know the fact that your films for uh, all of them but one turned out reasonably competent and coherent in any way you know it's like good on you 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 succeeded maybe in spite of yourself to some degree on that level but yeah i mean he really does have a good mastery on special effects and again you know when it's the monster on monster battles, like you clearly can tell he's in his element when he shoots those yeah. sequences uh, there. But I guess well, that, Dave, yeah. Well, it brings us to the pits and Dave, yeah. what is your pit? I think I can guess. <sighs> can I just give it to Gamma rebirth all of it together <laughs> there and just say the whole damn thing's a pit? Um, no, no, it's not Gamma rebirth. 
It's in most of the movies. It's I, something small. No, it's not. I'm not saying they, that Sometimes they like to ride in little submarines. No, no, in this case. Okay, there's my first pit. The lack of submarines in every one of these films. There needs to be more yeah, mini subs yeah. in these movies. Damn it. That's my conviction. Okay. Here. Um, I'll, I'll let it slide this time, yeah. Dave. Yeah. But, yeah but, no, but I mean, seriously, in terms of, of uh, a pit here, I... I kind of have to feel like I got to give it to Daie be, uh, in a certain way. <laughs> I think as uh, a, that's pretty good. It's it's one of those things cases where it's like you came in here, you didn't have a plan, and you just basically nope. milked it for all it's worth, which is basically any studio under the sun. But it just it feels like you know with a little more nurturing and a little more forethought, you know, Gamera could have been more than just oh yeah, and that. You know, the not Godzilla monster that you might might be aware of in this case there. And unfortunately, like nobody had the vision to really see that through at a time where that probably would have made a world of difference in terms of the overall perception of the character. So I think ultimately, you know, Gamera fans are kind of left with what we have and what we have. It's like it's fun. There's stuff there. But you're always going to be the also ran. Like, unless there is somebody who comes in and makes a new Gamera film that just blows the doors off of everything we've seen previously. And right now, when, again, you know, Toho has made not one, but two Godzilla films in a row that are just, you know, blow, you know, just amazing works at this point there. I don't see that we're going to get that from Gamera anytime soon, uh, unfortunately. Now, Daae's gone in this case, but you know, they set the bar and unfortunately very, for the most part, that bar has maintained its place. What about you, Ross? What would you say is the first pit here? Um, my pit is basically in this sort of abs, <laughs> let's say the quality of these movies. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same as what you're saying in that, like um, there was an opportunity for um, putting more thought into these having better scripts or something because like things just happen um <laughs> like sort of just bad scripts that don't like i don't know but like of course they didn't care about that because it's like we need two kids we need some uh adults to worry about them and there's some alien ladies now and like the aliens capturing random humans for no reason and saying in one movie is like we need you to spread our message and then they say Oh wait, no, you're actually your prisoners forever and maybe our space food. Like stuff like that happens where like you just don't know like and 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 I mean that is also I suppose at times the source of the amusement is like you said one thing 20 minutes ago and now you're saying the opposite and I don't understand why anything is happening in this movie, but then you get to like okay, and now this knife monster is attacking Gamera. Like that's what we're here for. Okay. So it's just kind of a level of quality and, like, lack of thought in the movies in general is, yeah, is what's bad. Well, yeah, no, it it, it is really weak there uh, in this case. Um, I really do have to give a special pit, though, for Gamera Super Monster. Like, it, it, like this is collectively... It, it, it's not just a bad film. It's just a straight-up insult to audiences across the thing. Like, it well, it's is, very boring is what it is, too, well, yeah. it's boring, but it is so obviously, like... like nobody put any time into this thing. Like it was, you know, a hack job from start to one. And the idea that anybody was conned into paying to see this in a theater, like this thing should not have been released. There are mm. like, like it is just pure amateur hour. Like even with Yusa directing it, 
like you gave Yusa basically no resources, nothing to work with. There's no real script as such for this thing. Like, I mean, even if you're going to do a clip film, which is not an ideal thing, you can still put some time and effort into making something and shaping it into at least it's going to be the best damn clip film you can make. And instead, everybody was said, we have like two weeks to crank this thing out. So we need to be shooting yesterday and we're not giving you the resources to actually make the new footage blend at all with anything yeah. you've seen in the previous. I stuff. know a park where we can go shoot. And what I want to stress here, folks, when we talk about this park, like it's not even like, you know, like Central Park in New York City. It's not this big, expansive thing. This is like the kids playground park. That's why you're just your local neighborhood in this case. Oh, yeah. It's like one set of swings and a slide yeah. and like a merry-go-round. And it's like 30 feet across. And they're always doing their their battle rolls around there and the women are always uh spending their their minute long um super sentai transformations there it's very stupid well and the thing is is at least if they'd lean into it and played that up like it's a joke yeah. on, on purpose where it's like yes we're having this world you know ending conversation in a children's park here and just play with the humor of that that might have been one thing they like just it's not even that they take it serious. It's just, just like, yeah, this is the scene. We wrote it, shoot it, boom, we got it done in one take. Let's go. Uh, okay, there. so Dave, this brings up the very important question of what is better, Gamera Super Monster or the Netflix show Gamera Rebirth? <sighs> I think in any rational circumstance, Gamera Super Monster is the worst one. Like, it, I, as, as much as I don't like Rebirth and I don't think it works... At least it is a professional production in some mm. way. Like, I, whatever else you can say, I don't think it works. But people put time and effort into it there. Maybe not in all the areas I think they should have put the time and effort into it. But at least, you know, nobody went and You can't look at that and say, well, you know, that money wasn't spent, that time wasn't spent, that there wasn't a clear effort to make something out of it, even if the end result doesn't work. Like, Gamera Super Monster is very clearly, you have nothing and you were just hoping to make a quick buck by conning people into paying for this. In that this is true. I mean, apart from the obvious that Super Monster is shorter, like, what do you want to watch? Six hours versus, you know, yeah. an hour and a half. Like, obviously, then you choose an hour and a half. But... <sighs> There is a level of kitsch. Kit, there is a certain kitsch value to Super Monster that, like, oh, this is bad. I am laughing at it. That I did get more enjoyment out of Super Monster than the Netflix show. So I'm the opposite of you. I would actually go for. I mean, and it's a. I mean, it, it, uh, we're spoiled for choice here, people. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I'd rather watch Super Monster because, like, hey, there's the women doing that thing again. That's pretty I, stupid. Okay. I think, and I would say in the right atmosphere with a group of individuals riffing on it the whole time. Yeah, it could be the more fun. I think if you're going to sit yeah. there and watch it, particularly by yourself, either way, you're going to lose no, no matter which one you're choosing between those two productions. It's just what one. That? Of, that's that's Godzilla and King Kong, right? It's like, no, ma or, or no, or was that, that was Freddy aliens versus, versus Predator? Uh, no oh, matter who wins, there's too many lose. of these. No, yeah. ma no matter who wins, we've got to get them all together. Freddy versus Jason versus Gamera versus Godzilla versus uh, King Kong. Yeah, we can do this. 
Actually, I would like, you know, Predator versus King Kong would be fun just to see how that a- a- ends up. He there. would love, the Predator would love hunting King Kong. That would yeah. be good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Da, 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 da. Um, but yeah, so yeah, in this case there, yeah, that's like, a, I will say that one is my big pit because literally everything that could go wrong with a Gamera film goes wrong in that film and I think deserves the pit. What about you, Ross? Any other pits we haven't hit, highlighted that you want to give a shout out nah, to? Nah, we've beaten it up enough. And like yeah. saying that, like <laughs> the movies in general are kind of poorly made is, 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 uh, enough. Oh, you know what? Um, a pit, they should bring back the old Gamera March, the song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, there, there's no reason. I da, thought da, da, for da, sure. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yes. Which they also sing in some of the, the mystery science theater, uh, 3000 give it English words for the first time. But, um, they, they lose it in oddly super, super monsters really sucks because uh, they lose the, the March and that kid comes up with a new song for the electric organ. But I, I knew, I knew the old theme wasn't coming up again there because it's like, Oh, they have a new song. And I kind of figured in the nineties that they're not gonna, um, yeah, they're serious that they're probably not going to return to that silly little March. I thought Gamera, the brave, they should end with the credits with the song. And then yes. they didn't. And then Gamera Rebirth, I thought, when I realized, okay, I hate this, but there, but it is in its own weird way a bit of a throwback to, like, they've got the submarines, they've got, it turns out that all the women are evil for some reason. They've got, um, not aliens, but people living on the moon, which is which is also very Neon Genesis Evangelion for some reason. Like, I, th- I thought maybe Rebirth would work in the March... Maybe even in a minor key because it's depressing. It was like or something. They just never have. It's like, come on, everyone. Like, is there some rights issue? Like, just this is Gamera. You might as well bring back the old song. Why not? Well, and that's the thing. And maybe it is that they just look at it and say it's like it's a '60s, you know, holdover. Nobody's going to enjoy it uh, in this case. I would disagree. I would say, yeah, no, it would be better to bring that one back. Uh, it would be funny if they tried to like make it as big and as epic sounding as possible, like the Superman March, but it's <laughs> da 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 da. Somebody bring in, <laughs> yeah, bring in Murray Gold. If anybody's gonna pull that off, he'll do it. Oh, this grand, this great big sound for this like Gamera, this silly guy, this monster is gonna fly through. It's gonna fart through space. Right. Yeah. We should we should uh, say goodbye to yeah, everyone. This was a lot of fun. And like, hey, you know, watch on the Mystery Science Theater 3000 versions on on uh, 2B there. The one I saw, it was kind of fun. I've, I've seen very I've seen very little MST3K. Such Even the acronym is hard to say, Dave. It's long. Uh, I've seen very few of those, but like I, I watched one of those. It's like, yeah, OK, I get it. Like MST3K is kind of funny. Like I, I understand the appeal more and more. It was uh, fun, um, but we should move on. And but we can keep on doing things in Japanese cinema. But yep. you know, we've covered Zatoichi and Godzilla and Ghibli and Gamera. There is something, if not the biggest thing in Japanese cinema, maybe the gold standard for like international. I don't know the word for it. Let's say respect or something. I've seen quite a few Akira Kurosawa f- uh, movies. Why don't we watch all of Akira Kurosawa's works? He directed 30 films, so 
because we're slow and you know we got to do other things too let's split it up. we're this is going to be a two-year project yeah everyone someone join us this this will be fun akira kurosawa filmography so we're gonna stop next year in 2024 we're gonna stop on the 15th film which is a great place a great middle spot it's seven samurai we're gonna end in december with seven samurai this will be i i'm really looking forward to this when i like i collected all of his movies and like I can watch them with you. I think this will be great. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. And again, there are some gaps in uh, Kurosawa's filmography that I have not seen. So this is the perfect excuse to get uh, caught up, particularly on the early stuff, because that's a lot of where, I mean, most people know that, yeah, sort of Seven Samurai uh, and Rashomon and that sort of forward sort of becomes like the defining features of Kurosawa's output. But he made a lot of stuff before we even reached that point there as well. And some yeah. of it's lesser known. And hey, uh, from some of the ones I've seen, it's still good stuff. So uh, some of those some of these movies, by the way, and I, I'd, I'd be interested in discovering what made him go from one studio to another. Some of these very respected movies, I think it's uh, not Ikiru. Um, I forget which movies. Some of his movies were done at Daie, which is like, oh, okay. So like he was he was doing stuff at Daie because you know, well, also if you're doing a human drama, and if <laughs> if you can afford sets, that's the bare minimum. If you can afford sets and actors and a camera, like you could create a good human drama, and that's what Kurosawa was good at. So yeah, yeah. So some we're we'll we won't entirely be leaving and dumping on Daie the entire year. Yep, no, no, actually, we may, they may get some praise from us indeed there, uh, and not just for Zetoichi. But, uh, yeah, so until then, Ross, where can people find you online? That is a good question these days. I don't log into Blue Sky enough, but I should, but at, well, how does it work? But it's, it's Ross May Writer something something blue sky dot blue sky it's not even blue sky it's blue ski it's but yeah blue ski yeah it's i think it's dot b sky uh i'm not even sure there's an l in there uh in the, this case there uh they couldn't afford it yeah basically the same thing for me you can go to blue blue sky find me under at 24 panels dot blah blah blah, blah, blah whatever uh same thing at mastodon and yes i'm still for the time being on twitter i don't know how much longer that thing is just continues to sink into the cesspool that it is and i really don't want to i'm at the point where i'm really thinking it's that i'm at the might want to just pull the plug on that one you're just there for the doctor who memes i'm there for the memes and honestly because it's a good way to you know it's still you know a good way to promote uh film strips there yeah but beyond that like i i really do not like what it's become i well it was always problematic it's just gotten progressively worse and you know exactly when that started happening folks um so yeah dave has 2023 been a good year for doctor who oh it has been an excellent year for doctor who folks uh we 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 got spoiled with those uh, specials. They aren't perfect. There are some clear issues, one or two clear issues in there. But I am so looking forward to the Shuti Gatwa uh, era coming, starting on Christmas Day this year. So Is that how you say his first name? I believe the N is silent. Yes. Uh, in this case, I think it's just Shuti oh. Gatwa uh, is my understanding. I may be wrong. Uh, if I am incorrect, folks, please correct me on that. Thank um, you. Okay. Everyone, Doctor Who... The first three special because it's not it's not Christmas yet. They were fun, you know. Go check them out on Disney Plus. Yeah, they were yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so until then, Ross, do you happen to have any parting words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Can I get this right? I don't know. Remember, everyone, monotony may scare you. 
no, I no. screwed it up again. <laughs> I got it wrong. I was I was trying to do it right. Remember everyone, Adventure Mace, Adventure it wasn't. That was I'm I'm 100 I'm 100 genuine, Dave. Just like you're 100 percent genuine in your relationships with kids that you put up with them. I'm so like I know Halloween was a hard time for you. You were you were like had the lights off and and like tried. <laughs> to keep them away but that just drew the kids anymore there's like there's that old man mr babbitt like he's so scary oh, remember gosh. everyone <laughs> adventure may scare you but monotony will kill you and if we're wanting to talk about monotony godzilla rebirth it came close man it came close <laughs> did you just say godzilla rebirth oh oh uh gamera gamera rebirth oh dear uh freudian slips goodbye everyone happy holidays